Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Well, thank you for joining us for our time together in the Word today. And as we open God's Word, uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again that we can gather even this way and share your Word and fellowship together, worship together. And we thank you so much for your love for us. In Christ's name, amen. So not too long ago, I was uh, downstairs rummaging around in my uh, basement, uh, doing some cleanup, moving things around. And I came across a box, an old box from the 60s that I uh, had. I opened it up and I found in there uh, my uh, button collection. When I say button, I mean like campaign buttons. You know, back when I was a kid, I was interested always in politics. And so in the 60s, when I wasn't old enough to vote, um, but through all the different elections that I remember from, I remember basically from 1960 on, I would collect campaign buttons. You know, they would give them out at the fairs and different things, and they were quite prevalent in those days. And I threw them in this box, and uh, I discovered this list of campaign buttons. And the idea of a campaign button, I didn't wear them, of course. I just collected them. I couldn't vote. Um, but, uh, you know, if you put a campaign button on with someone you support, and someone sees that, it's generally a pretty good identifier you shouldn't be surprised when someone says, oh, are you going to vote for so-and-so? Uh, I see your campaign button. And you see, you know, you're not going to say, what? What are you talking about? I say, well, no, you put that on to identify that's who you're probably going to vote for. And so I have this collection of old campaign buttons that I've just kind of held on to over the years. And then also uh, there are other buttons. One of my favorite ones were from the hydroplane races down at the sea fair every year. Uh, each of the boats, in those days, you could walk through the pit area, everybody, and they, and they would throw out, sometimes literally throw out uh, buttons. They would hand them out uh, different times, and you kids would all gather around, and you'd come and get a button for your, the different boats. And, of course, that's, that's what I did wear. There's only one I would ever wear. I would never dream of wearing a button for one of the Gale boats from Detroit or the Tahoe Miss from Nevada or the Budweiser even. Uh, the only button I would wear, and of course any true Seattle uh, light who knew their stuff would wear, was the Miss Bartle button. That was my favorite. Uh, that was always my favorite boat, the Green Dragon. So I would wear that button, and I would identify, no one had to ask, well, what's your favorite boat for the hydroplane races? And I was back in the 60s, that was the biggest show in town, the biggest game in town uh, during that time, and uh, that was my identifier. I have a sweatshirt that I bought some years ago in Michigan. When my kids were, kids lived back there and I was busying and I bought a sweatshirt. And it just happens to be my favorite sweatshirt because it's just one of those ones, you know, that just fits you really well. You know, we all have sweatshirts like that and 10, 15 years later, you're still wearing the thing. And it's the blue sweatshirt that says Michigan. And I wear it just because it fits well and it's comfortable. And when I first started wearing it around here, I'd walk down in Greenwood, Finney Ridge, Green Lake, maybe at Northgate, and it never failed. Every time I wear it, at least one person would walk by me and go, go blue. And at first it was like, what? You know, like, go blue. And they'd walk by me and I'd still be thinking about it. And then Teresa would say, it's your sweatshirt. I said, oh yeah, because that's like, you know, if you were in Michigan from, if you were from Seattle and you were in Michigan and you saw somebody wearing a University of Washington shirt or hat, you might say, go dogs, right? But everybody says, go blue. And so even even now, I wore it a couple of weeks ago. We were going on a walk, and this guy goes by, jogging by. I said, go blue. 
And it always catches me by surprise. And I, oh yeah. And of course I want to stop and say, well, actually I don't really, I didn't go to Michigan. You know, I have no preference between Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, you know, but just now when someone says that, and usually they're already by me when they say go blue, I just say, thank you. <laughs> so I don't know quite sure what to say. And then there was the year we were down in uh, Arizona, you know, after the Seahawks lost to uh, New England in the Super Bowl, we were down visiting our kids down in uh, Tucson, and we went to the winter rodeo, and we were walking around the grounds there, and I had my Seahawk uh, conference championship uh, ch- shirt on I just bought for that year. The guy walks up to me and says, just run the ball. <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> just run the ball, and he walks away. Uh, what do you say? Okay, next time we'll make sure that happens or what? But he identified me, right, with Seattle, with Seahawks, with that notorious play that didn't work out, that we lost the Super Bowl. It identifies you. We can wear clothes. We can wear buttons. We can have bumper stickers and things that identify uh, who we are. We shouldn't be surprised when someone comes up and says, uh, go blue, if you're wearing a, a Michigan shirt or a Bartle button or a Seahawks shirt, identifies you. Our passage today I want us to think about, First Peter chapter 3, and of course we're jumping in the middle of a context, but I just wanted to bring this verse to our attention today. You know, our children have uh, shared with us in that, that video, uh, sharing God's word, sharing scripture. And of course, when we think about sharing scripture and sharing God's word, we also think about sharing the salvation message, the hope of the gospel, the wonderful ministry that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and loves every one of us. And God loves the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. As I thought about that, this verse came to my, my heart here. I thought about First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, thinking about our willingness to share God's word. First Peter 3.15, but in your hearts... Set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And I got to thinking about this. When was the last time somebody asked you? When was the last time somebody asked me about our hope? Why are you hopeful? Why in, we've been talking for several weeks about challenging times and opportunities that these times uh, afford us as Christians, even in challenges. Why do you have hope? Why, why, why are you positive? Why, why, what is, why is it that you, you live, you live, you live in a way the Bible talks about? Why are you a Christian? And of course, that, some people can look at that both ways and look at that negatively. If someone were to say, why are you, why are you a follower of Jesus? Why do you follow the Bible? Why do you believe that's true? When was the last time anybody asked us? You know, how do we get to the point where people ask, Peter says here, listen, be prepared. So when someone asks you about the hope you have, be prepared to give them an answer for the, for the, and the reason why this hope is in you. You know, we talk about sharing the gospel and the times we talk about what we used to call, we used to call friendship evangelism, meaning that so much of evangelism has to do with relationship. As you build relationship with people and you, and you share their lives and they, and, and they see that you really care about them, that then you have an opportunity at, at some point to open your mouth and share the gospel. 
And that's not to negate those who, the opportunities we have and those who are really gifted at just sharing the gospel with anybody. The gift of evangelism is something we should all be willing to do, of course, is too, is true. But also, so often, I mean, really in my life, predominantly, my experience with people has been, and again, I've mentioned this before, most people come to Christ through the ministry of a friend or a relative that has impacted their life. And so often it has to do with our relationship as we spend time with people and as we get to know them and they get to know us and they begin to see there is something different, hopefully, about you that we have set apart the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean to set apart the Lord Jesus Christ? When the Apostle Peter says that here, but in your hearts, set apart. It's this idea of, you know, sanctify. Something that is set apart. And we mentioned before, of course, too, in the Old Testament, the utensils in the temple, the various, even the garb that the priests wore. They were all things that were set apart for the special occasions. They were sanctified and they were treated as such. And, and you must be very careful. You didn't, you didn't treat them in a ways that was careless because they were set apart for God's work. And Paul says, in your heart, set apart. Uh, Peter, excuse me. Peter says in your heart, Set apart the Lord Jesus Christ. Set him apart as Lord in your life. Make a space for him. How do you create that space so that you set apart, so that in our hearts we have made, that that Christ is set apart in our lives, in our hearts, in our being? And I think that, you know, I mean, there's the obvious ones that we talk about all the time, but the reason we talk about them is because they're so obvious. And it's nothing new. And it's something that I need to be reminded and you need to be reminded of. And that is certainly spending time in meditation and prayer. Praying and, 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 and meditating, thinking about God and his blessings and all the things he's given us. To spend time with him, to create that space. Spending time in worship. I know it's happening a different way today. And I understand that. And yet we have set apart time to worship. And this time that you've set apart and I've set apart, uh, as I watched this as well on, on Sunday morning with my wife, we set apart time to worship. It's different singing, just humming and singing along at home. But we've set this time apart. Hopefully set apart time in the Word of God. Set apart time to read His Word. Even if it's a few minutes a day. You know, oftentimes I tell people, yeah, we have great plans. We'd love to spend an hour a day in the Bible. And, we're, and, and maybe we're going to do that, but we never quite find the time. You know, it'd be much better to spend five minutes every day in the Bible than a half hour when you can do it, but you don't do it. I've been doing the hour of grace, and I really probably shouldn't call it that because it's really 15-minute uh, Bible study. But it's a 15-minute. We're keeping to that. Spend time in God's Word. Join us for that if you'd like. In the book of Ephesians, jump right in. We're in chapter 5. A devotional, a Bible reading plan, a simple read of the New Testament. Spend time in God's Word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in fellowship. Again, even though we're doing it differently uh, right now. Spend time in, in fellowship. Spend time. Make God think about the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about God. Think about the Holy Spirit and the ministry within. Set apart. Create that space. And, and I start with myself first. Do I do I create that space in my life that I've set apart, I've sanctified the Lord Jesus Christ? And if we do that, the, the apostle says that it, the natural response is going to be 
why, why do you have a hope? What is different? What is different about, about your life? What is it? And as people really break down and begin to share and maybe have needs in their life and in times of really crisis or hard times or even times like now where there's a lot of questions and, and things going on, you think, they come to you, what, why do you respond the way you do? What is it? This, what is it? And, and Peter says, be prepared. Be prepared ahead of time to share your story. Your salvation story is very important. You think, well, my story's not much. Yes, it is. My story is as much a miracle as your story and anybody else's story. We have a story of God's grace, God's compassion and love, and how he's opened up his heart to us and allowed us to respond in faith to the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be prepared to share that. Be prepared to, 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 to share when an opportunity is there to, to not be afraid. You know, I love, I, I think, what kind of, what is kind of a person? What is a heart like this? You know, I, I was thinking the Apostle Paul, one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts is he writes to the, the elders, the pastors, the shepherds of that flock. And, you know, Paul, he's, he's saying goodbye to them. And, and, and there's a lot of sorrow in this departure. They think they're never going to see him again. And, and Paul says, listen, he talks about how I know every place I go, I'm going to be in danger. I know that. I expect that. But he says this in verse 24 of chapter 20 of Acts. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus Christ has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Isn't that amazing to get to the point in your life after all the hardship you've been through to say, I, my, I consider my life nothing compared to the ministry, the task he's given me. Paul had set apart the Lord Jesus Christ in his heart. And when he, and, and that's why when, when Paul does that, that's the reason why one of the most amazing passages to me, and I think of this often, Paul says in Romans chapter nine, when it comes to his heart, what does that mean? I speak the truth in Christ, verse one of chapter nine. I'm not lying, and my conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. He makes the point, I'm not, this is true, I really believe this. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. His burden was so deep for his own people that Paul is willing to give up his own salvation. I mean, this is, that is a deep thought. Think about that. He is willing to do that for the sake of his own people. And so, and so we, we have this heart of Christ that, the heart that of Christ in our heart, if you will, that's been set apart, a heart set apart for the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it look like? What does a life look like? That would maybe draw someone to say, what, what is it? Why do you have this hope? What is, why do you follow, why are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And, and Peter tells us, you know, before we get to this verse, he actually gives us some good advice as to what this looks like in a person's life. Verse eight. Finally, all of you, speaking to the, to the believers, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers, brothers and sisters. Be compassionate and humble. Finally, as he comes to the conclusion of the section, he says, live in harmony. It's interesting. The first word, harmony, 
and the last word humble in this verse, both are words built on this Greek word uh, phronos, or phronos, which means the mind. And what he says is, is how you think, how you think, a person who thinks harmonious, how, how you can sync together and, and work together. You don't all have to be the same, and we're not all the same in the church, the body of Christ, in our local assembly. We're not all the same. And it's a good thing, because it's that variety and that division, distinction and those the division of gifts and abilities that God has given us that allow us to work together. But Paul says, work together. Think of it. It's in your, in your mind, approach it, that you are going to be harmonious in your mind first before it can flesh itself out in your life. You have to think this way. Be sympathetic. We could use the word empathy as well. Be sympathetic. Put yourself in others' shoes. Look at it from their perspective. As we are reminded today especially of, of, of understanding of prejudice and racism we talked about and is in the forefront right now. To, to remember, put ourselves in someone else's shoes and really step back and, and think, what am I missing? What would it be? What was it like? Think about it. And we think of our brothers and sisters in the Lord and the things that they are going through. And we think about what is it before we criticize, before we critique, to step back and, 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 and sympathize and have empathy and put ourselves in that place. Be loving. Key Christian word. Be loving. Love one another. As the Lord Jesus Christ said, by your love for each other, all men will know you are my disciples. Love as brothers and sisters. You're a family. Live that way. Be compassionate and humble. Be compassionate. These are words we find throughout the New Testament. To have real compassion and love for others. And finally, to have a state of mind. This is the mind word again. The first one, the harmonious. And this last one, be humble, is a mind word. Think of others before yourself. Think of yourself realistically and realize. Be humble. This is not all about me and all about you. What about us? What about others? Be humble. You know, this is such an important Christian. You see this over and over again. The Lord Jesus Christ and all the apostles and all the teachings in the Old Testament. What's required of and, and Micah? Right? Now that's in, walk humbly with your God. We are called to be humble. This is what characterizes someone who another person might say, well, what is, why do you have hope? What is it different about you? And then also Paul says, he then goes on and he says this, do not repay, verse 9. And this is again a Christian, a Christian trait, character trait that goes back to our Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul affirms this in the book of Romans as well. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. As, as we are insulted, as, as we are treated bad, Paul says, don't pay it back that way. Don't do it. Instead, you return with blessing. That's not easy. We all know that. We all are aware of that. But that's what we are asked to do. This is what sets a person apart, setting Christ apart in your heart. This is the kind of character qualities that would draw someone to you to, to have those conversations about God and about the Lord Jesus Christ and his love and compassion for us and, and why we are this way. And Paul says, to, you know, be humble. If someone curses or someone is evil, is evil toward you, don't repay them with that. 
but instead bless them. Again, I keep saying Paul, <laughs> Peter here, but because this is also a Pauline truth in the book of Romans. It's a Christian truth. Return it with blessing. Why? Because of this you were called, so you may inherit a blessing. Then he goes back to the, to the Psalms, and he quotes, he quotes, uh, from the 34th Psalm here. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. This is what characterizes a person who others may come to and say, what, what is the hope? You don't talk like other people. You don't speak evil of people. You're deceitful and you're, you're honest. You don't tear people down. As we saw in Ephesians in our study, that our language is to be used to edify, to build up. You're different. It's different. The psalmist says that. The psalmist David, who wrote this psalm, says in verse, we read the quote here in verse 11, he must turn from evil and do good. It's pretty straightforward, right? Paul says, don't return evil with evil, but return it with good, with blessing. He says here, turn from evil, turn away, and instead turn toward what is good. He must seek peace and pursue it. It's interesting in the Hebrew, my Jewish Publication Society Bible, they use the word mitigate there, uh, to mitigate, to seek peace, to seek reconciliation. He says here from the psalmist that a person who who, who is characterized by, by God, what God wants is a person who seeks peace, not conflict, and seeks to mitigate conflict by what they do, what they think, and what they say. And pursue it. Chase after it. Pursue it and chase after it. It's interesting. That's a strong word. Don't lose sight of it. Keep after it. For why? For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. That's the reason for this. We must always be aware. And it's good for us to stop every day and think, God is here. God is omnipresent, right? God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. God is here. And God sees us, and we live and move in Him. We have our being, as the Apostle Paul told the Athenians. And so because of this, God is ever-present in our lives and ever-present there to help us through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not always easy. I get that. We all know that. But this is what we are told to do. God is present with us. And the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Verse 13, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? This is a proverbial saying. This is normally the situation. If you are a person who seeks good and does good, people aren't going to seek to harm you under normal circumstances. That's a proverbial saying. But he also, of course, makes the allowance that's not always the case. He says, but even if you should suffer for doing good, for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear for what they fear. Do not be frightened. What? But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And here's the last part of the verse. I didn't read this earlier. I want to emphasize as we close this. Be ready to give an answer. Be prepared to give an answer. Hopefully, our lives will be characterized. It doesn't have to be a button or a sweatshirt but or a t-shirt. But hopefully the way, if we live these things, if we are harmonious, if we are humble, if we are loving, if we are compassionate, if we don't repay evil with evil, if we seek peace and pursue it, if we think about God's and realize and walk in God's presence and practice the presence of God as the old book by Brother Lawrence many, many centuries ago was written, 
practicing God's presence. But if we do that, this is what the, the Apostle Peter says. You've set apart Christ in your heart. But he says, do this with gentleness and respect. Someone may inquire of the hope you, you have. They may not like your answer. They may not appreciate what you have to say. It might be hard. There are parts of the gospel that are hard, obviously. They're a stumbling block, as the apostles tell us. And the Lord Jesus Christ even said. But he says, doesn't matter. We are to do this with respect and gentleness. Boy, you see this word throughout Scripture, gentleness. That's not weakness. The Lord Jesus Christ was gentle and meek, but he wasn't weak. The apostles weren't weak, but they were gentle. And he says, listen, be responsive in a way that is gentle and respectful. This is a, this is a Christian trait. Friends, we should, this should characterize our lives. As these, and as these things are brought to the forefront today, and we are reminded that we are, we are to be respectful of everyone because everyone is made in the image of God and has that dignity. Everyone. People you don't agree with. People you have differences with. They are made in the image of God. And we are to be different. We are to treat everybody equally. We are to, it's the start in our mind. How we think about these things is going to impact then how it works out in our lives. And it begins by setting Christ apart in our heart and taking serious the claims of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that we of all people are to be different. And it begins in our own church fellowships and our larger Christian fellowship and in our families and those closest to us that we are to exhibit these things to the world, but they are also to be something that we exhibit in our relationship with the world. It does not end in the confines of the church fellowship. We are to be the kind of people that stand out, that are truly are loving, that treat everybody the same, and that we are doing this with gentleness, compassion, and respect as we share the truth of the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We shouldn't be surprised if somebody asks us, what's different? Why do you, why do you treat people differently? Why do you think, why do you talk differently? Why do you have hope? Why do you have optimism about, about the future with the Lord Jesus Christ? As hard as things may be. What is it? Expect that. We should be asked that by people. If we're living in such a way, you know, I'm a, this, this is very practical. When, when you post things online and when you write things, do you think about that? Is the most important thing your opinion or the most important thing to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ and what, and what God tells us? When you talk to people in conversations, whether it's casual or very serious direct conversations that we express and always exhibit that compassion, that love, that dignity for every man and woman, boy and girl, and that we are the people who stand out because of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Peter says here, be prepared. Give an answer. Give an answer when someone asks you, the hope that lies within you, that is embedded deep in your heart. 
But first of all, set apart the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask you today, as you and your family and whoever you're with today, as you think about this, let's think about this. You know, we, we're talking in our Sunday school classes, how to be neighbors and the opportunities that are offered today in so many different ways to talk with our neighbors, to be a part of our community, to share in, in what's going on, to be a part of things. And, and, and I just to see this openness people are having right now during this time. What a what an opportunity to say again, what an opportunity to be that kind of person, to be that kind of family, to be that type of church community that people will say, what what is it? What is it? Let's talk about it. And let's talk about the love of God, his compassion, and what it means to be a person who treats people that way, harmonious, peaceful, do not return evil for evil, compassionate, gentle, and kind and loving, and yet standing firm with God's word that this is the message and the hope for our world. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Father, we thank you for time and your word. Bless into our hearts this day. In Christ's name, our wonderful Savior, we pray. Amen. Good morning. I want to welcome you to our online worship service once again. It's June 14th, and that means we have been worshiping together in this way for almost three months now. It's been a difficult and a hard three months for many of us. So as we close our service today, I just want to take a minute and just kind of remind you, this this is what church looks like right now. Uh, Gary and I are the only ones in here, and uh, our music was recorded here, and I'm preaching to an empty auditorium. This is what it looks like today. You know, I've been in the full-time pastoral ministry for 42 years. Never dreamed, of course, we'd ever be at a spot where we couldn't meet together. In fact, in the past, we've all we've always said, the government ever said, you cannot meet as Christians. We would have to honor God rather than man. However, this situation these past months, it wasn't that they said to us, Christians, you can't meet. What they said is, we need everybody to not meet in groups right now in order that we can end this virus, we can take care of people's lives, and we can get back to normal. And so because of that, you know, we've talked today about our witness as believers. And I just want you to know, as, as we're making plans, looking forward, and you're hearing about those plans, the reason we're, we've done this is because we want to we honor the Lord Jesus Christ and our witness to our world. We know that, that fortunately today we have this technology. We've been able to stay in touch. We've been able to connect with people we've never been able to connect with before, too. So there's been some real blessings from this. We've learned a lot of things about what it means to worship this way and to try to continue to serve and minister and not just stop being the church. And at the same time, our witness to our community, you know, what would it be like for us if our neighbors around here, uh, who many are maybe have suffered with the COVID illness or are vulnerable to it, or those who have lost income, whose jobs are are really struggling, their personal businesses right now are really struggling because they're doing what everybody else is doing and, and trying to do what's, what we've been asked to do to mitigate this disease. What kind of a testimony would that be for us to say, well, it's too bad, uh, we have a right to meet, so we're going to meet. They, they have their rights, we all have our rights. We have given those up at this point to do what is right. And our elders and our pastors and our staff, our leaders, um, you know, we've been working through this carefully, and I just want to thank you for your support and participation and your understanding as we do this. And as I say that, 
we are making plans to gather again, and we are doing so according to the guidelines that we are given uh, by our government leaders. And right now, we are able to meet outside. This is why we're planning a service next Sunday night. We're going to try it out. We'll meet out in the parking lot. And, of course, we're limited to 100 or less people. Our young people had a service last Sunday out here in, the, in our Briam Park out back, and a small group, and they were able to do that. Somewhere in the near future, it looks like we'll be able to meet indoors, limited to 50 people. We are planning to go ahead and do that, and it just for us, it seemed to be the right thing to do. Every church has to consider what's what's best for them. And uh, but at some point, when we are allowed to all be back, it is going to be different. It, things are going to be gradual. It's going to be phased in. So it seemed reasonable for us to begin planning for the 50. Next will probably be the 100, and then maybe 200. And we understand, looking forward, there's a lot of uncertainty still. So we are making those plans. We're doing it carefully, and uh, we encourage you to, to stay connected and be aware. And as we do so, and for those of you who should not come because of underlying health concerns and issues, uh, their, their day will come where we will all be together again. And so we want you to be aware of that and, and not feel bad about not being here because if you shouldn't, you shouldn't. But at the same time, those who can and you want to as you sign up, we'll welcome you up to the limits that we have. We'll all work through this together and continue to pray for us, continue to uh, pray for one another, and uh, we will do the best we can. And our task force, our church elders, and our staff, we're going to continue to work hard and look forward to uh, the day that we can all be in here uh, together again. I'm looking forward to that day, but I'm also thankful that we've been able to stay in touch. And I just want to thank you so much, so much for your prayers, your support, your encouragement of one another, your financial support for our church, and your taking time we're all doing this together. Thank you so much. God bless you. And we are looking forward to sharing this time together soon. Amen and amen. Thank you.